Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about HelloFresh. Until then, why not take a moment to double-check under your bed, bolt your doors and windows. You just never know what might get in, or what has already snuck in while you've been distracted. (laughs) Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? (laughs) Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 22. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about ominous openings, unforgettable footage, malevolent motels, and books with a bite. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which includes the first two stories. 
If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors. Turn the lights down low and settle in. The show is about to begin. Our first tale of terror this evening, from author Katie H., is entitled The Crawl Space. Um, hi there. I guess you could say I'm writing this as a cautionary tale to those of you who plan on studying abroad in the future. I don't mean to discourage you from going in the first place. It's more like I just want you to be aware of this so that something like this doesn't happen to you, too. I guess I should explain a little bit. Last summer, I was selected to participate in a study abroad program that would be centered in Rome for several months. Like anyone would be, I was elated. I'd never been out of the States before, so this was going to be a real adventure for me. In the weeks that followed, I happily packed everything and anything I could fit into my suitcase, I will be the first to admit that I had never way overpacked for this trip. I was nervous about leaving my parents for the first time, but I was also excited for the newfound freedom I would have while in Europe. Before I knew it, my parents were dropping me off at the airport, and I was boarding a 19-hour flight to Rome. Despite being long and tedious, the flight wasn't all that bad. When I exited the airport, I was greeted by the program supervisor and several other students who would be studying with me. They were about the same age and all looked just as excited as me. From there, we went to our mandatory orientation meeting and afterwards, we went to pick up our apartment keys. In the months that preceded the trip, we were responsible for getting to know our would-be roommates as well as finding a place to stay that we could all afford. There were three girls I would be staying with. They were all nice enough and made an effort to make me feel welcome, though I will admit it's a bit hard to get close to the group of preformed friends. But despite my slight alienation, it seemed that things were all going to work out well. All of us were on a similar budget plan, and by that I mean none of us really had much money to spend. Because of this, we were all on the same page while searching for the cheapest apartment we could find. After several days of searching, we stumbled across an ad for an ancient apartment located above the Campo di Fiore. That was a prime location, and we couldn't believe it that it was still available, no less listed for an unbelievably low price. This immediately set alarm bells off in my head. The place was enormous, yet the rent was cheaper than the much smaller apartment in a far less desirable part of the town. However, reason never really wins out in a group of excited young women. They had already made up their minds, and if I would be staying with them, this was my only option. We each received our own set of keys, as well as a map with walking directions. Because of its prime location, it really didn't take us long to get there. The campo was amazing. During the daytime, it was filled with a vibrant market, while during the evening... It was lined with lively street performers. All of the apartments surrounding it looked to be ancient, so ours really didn't stand out all that much. 
After circling the square three or four times, we finally noticed the number nailed to the front of a massive old wooden door. This would be our home for the next three months. I fought with the keys for a moment until there was an audible click of the heavy old lock. The thick old door swung forward with a screech. We were then met with a long, winding staircase. We all looked at one another and groaned. None of us had accounted for the fact that the building had been constructed before elevators were common. So, three sets of stairs and countless complaints later, all four of us, with luggage in hand, stood outside our new front door. Once again, I reached for my set of keys and fought with the stubborn lock. As soon as the front door was opened, there was a stampede of young women trying to claim their best rooms. Being a three-bedroom apartment, it meant that two of us would have to share. Personally, I didn't really care, so I let the others battle it out. When the dust had settled, I found that I would be sharing a room with a girl called Stephanie. That was fine with me. Stephanie was nice enough, and she was also very quiet. My ideal feature in a roommate. Over the course of the rest of the day, we ran around exploring our new home. There were two bathrooms, a full kitchen, and a living room with an ancient TV. Once again, I began to feel uneasy. Just how was it that we were able to get all of this for such a low price? Before I could finish the thought, I was interrupted by a fit of loud squealing. My initial reaction was to panic. However, I soon learned that all the noise was from excitement. Down at the other end of the apartment near the front door, apparently there was another part of the flat we had missed. I followed the noise until it led me to a long, dark hallway. At the end, behind the group of squilling women, was a washing and drying machine. For those of you thinking, what's a big deal? I should explain that these things are incredibly rare in a room. Generally, exchange students have to wash their clothes by hand in the sink before hanging them up to dry. What was a luxury item like this doing in such a cheap apartment? Just as the screaming quelled, it picked right back up again as the girls noticed a door adjacent to the washing machine. Beyond that door was a master bedroom. It had a balcony, a clawfoot tub, and even a bidet. The girls immediately started fighting over whose bathroom was this going to be. I didn't really see why we couldn't share, but apparently the others were dead set on having ownership. As it turned out, it ended up being my bathroom. Stephanie had made a logical argument that because she and I had to share a bedroom, while the other two each got their own, it was only fair that she and I got to share the master bath. And I'll admit that at first I was actually kind of excited. It was, after all, a really nice room. However, over the course of the next several weeks, I began to grow more and more wary of the room. I don't know how to put it into words. It's like every time I went into that room, I could feel something's eyes on me. And the voyeuristic element wasn't really what had me so unnerved. It felt like whatever was watching me was angry, that it didn't want me there, and it wanted to hurt me. I began doing everything in my power to avoid the room. 
I asked Alicia if she wouldn't mind if I were to use her restroom occasionally. I made up some lame excuse about how it was far more convenient since her room was so close while my bathroom was at the other end of the flat at the end of the very long hallway. She uh, happily obliged, though, when I told her that she could use my bathroom anytime she liked. This worked well for a while. For about the first two months of my trip, I was able to completely avoid the eerie room. It wasn't until the final month that everything began to unravel. One night, as I prepared to brush my teeth, I found that Alicia was already occupying her bathroom. I could hear giggles coming from down the hallway. It was clear both Stephanie and our other roommate were getting ready for bed in the master bath. I decided that since there was strength in numbers, it would be all right just for tonight. So I made my way down to the large bathroom where I joined the boisterous girls in brushing my teeth. They were in the midst of some conversation when Lindsay, our other roommate, had broken into such a furious fit of laughter that she had to lean over the wall for support. But suddenly, she jolted upright as if she had been shocked. We all looked at what had been the cause of her reaction. There, on the wall, about the same level as the bathtub, was a tiny door. None of us had noticed it because it was the same color as walls. The landlord had even painted over it. Naturally, this made me a bit nervous. Whatever it was, the landlord clearly didn't want anyone opening it. But, as usual, throwing all caution to the wind, Lindsay reached for the handle and began tugging with all her might. Stephanie clucked her tongue in disapproval before pulling out a small pocket knife. She began delicately carving along the seam of the door. I wanted to beg her to stop, but I really didn't have the energy to argue that night. So, within a few minutes, Lindsay had yanked the little door open with a loud crack. It was a crawl space. It was fairly large. My guess would have been you could fit at least three or four people in there. I was rather curious as to why the landlord wouldn't have sealed up an empty little room. While I thought about this, Stephanie and Lindsay began calling for Alicia to come see their new discovery. She was just as excited as they were when they first discovered it. However, as could be expected, this excitement waned over time, and eventually, the crawlspace was just turned into storage for a few towels and laundry baskets. In the following days after the unsealing of the crawlspace, things started to go from eerie to downright terrifying. Annoyingly, Alicia had changed her nightly routine so that I could no longer use her bathroom in the evenings. Once again, I was back in the large bathroom. All the while, the feeling that I was being watched growing worse and worse. I began to get so paranoid each time I went into that room that I would literally jump at the slightest noise of pipe settling. And as soon as I was finished, I would run at full speed down the hallway and close the door behind me. For some reason, I seemed to be the only one feeling this way. It's not like I could have told the other girls, either. I was already enough of an outcast as it was. So, I just kept to myself and hoped it would go away eventually. Unfortunately, that was not the case. One night, as I was getting ready for bed, I found myself alone in the bathroom. 
As I stood in front of the mirror brushing my teeth, something set the hairs on the back of my neck straight up. There was a faint rustling noise. Not the kind that could have been caused from my roommates at the other end of the flat. Any noises caused by them would have had to have been quite loud to reach me all the way at the end of the long hallway. No, this noise was very faint. The sound of someone gingerly shuffling things around. I stood completely silent, terror filling me. The soft rustling noise was coming from inside the crawl space. I turned to my heels and ran down the hallway to grab the attention of my roommates. I tried to explain to them what happened, but all that came out were incoherent murmurs. Eventually, I managed to stutter. Something. Something's inside the crawl space. They looked at me with fear and confusion in their eyes. As a pack, we moved together down the hallway into the bathroom. I nearly fainted when I saw the tiny door hanging fully ajar. Though this discovery filled me with horror, Alicia immediately pointed to the balcony's sliding door. Stephanie had left it open to air out the bathroom, having taken a shower several hours ago. She peeked her head out the door and pointed to the slanted rooftop adjacent to ours. There was a pigeon's nest occupied by a few birds. The girl surmised that a pigeon must have found its way in and was the cause of the disturbance. They all had a good laugh as we made our way back to the living room. I pretended to shake it off, but I knew it was not a pigeon that caused the rustling noise. First off, the tiny door had been shut all day. None of us really cared to leave it open because it smelled quite musty inside. Secondly, the door had been shut when I left the bathroom. I'm certain of this. Yet, there it was, wide open when I returned. You're not going to tell me that a pigeon knows how to and is capable of opening and closing a door all by itself. It was at this point that I began to suspect that something was terribly wrong with this apartment. When I got back to my room, I pulled up my laptop and called my best friend via Skype. She had always been the skeptical and methodical type. However, she also kept an open mind towards things that were hard to explain. I decided that out of anyone, she was probably the best to talk to about my situation. As I expected, she was initially quite doubtful, though she also agreed with me that a pigeon was quite likely not the source. She asked me if I had any photos of the crawl space. She said that if she could see it, that would help her to understand a little more clearly and possibly help her come up with a more logical explanation. Relieved at her willingness to at least hear me out, I reached for my camera and made my way back down the eerie hallway. When I arrived, I found, to my relief, that the door was still closed. I stood in front of it for a moment, gathering my nerve before finally pulling the little door open. Despite the clutter left inside by my roommates, it was empty. I snapped a quick photo before closing the door once more and running back to my room. I immediately plugged my camera into my computer and uploaded the photo. When I finally opened the image, I was petrified by what I saw. There, in the upper right-hand corner, was a face, baring its teeth at me. 
My whole body began violently shaking. Dear God, that thing is in our home, I muttered to myself. Fear began to overtake me. Someone had sealed whatever it was inside that crawl space, and we had let it out. I was so absorbed in my panic, I didn't even notice when my roommate returned. She was so blissfully unaware of the imminent danger we were in, yet even if I tried to warn her, she would not believe me. I was at a loss of what to do. I finally decided I would deal with it in the morning. Though, not by a large amount, I did feel braver in the sunlight. From there, I attempted to get some sleep, though for the first time ever since being there, and closed and bolted my door before getting into bed. Stephanie eyed me suspiciously while doing so, but I just told her jokingly that Lindsay had been sneaking in our room the previous nights and had been stealing my Nutella. She laughed heartily, shaking her head before settling down for the night. I will admit that the only reason I was able to find any sleep that night was because of her presence. Something about being not alone can give one a sense of false security. It was about two o'clock in the morning when the sound woke me. I had always been a light sleeper, so the faint noise was enough to stir me. It sounded like a door being pushed open at the other end of the flat, followed by footsteps. But these weren't just normal footsteps. They were far too fast. It sounded like someone was running at full speed from the foyer to the living room and all about the apartment. But these weren't heavy footfalls like the kind you would expect from a running person. They were very light, almost unnaturally so. My initial reaction was to assume it was either Alicia or Lindsay, so I got up and stuck my ear to the wall behind me that separated Lindsay's room from mine. I could hear her faint but steady breathing. She was clearly asleep. It wasn't her. I then crossed over to the other side of my room near the door and once again stuck my ear to the wall. Alicia's snoring was quite audible. There was no way it was her. I slowly began to feel fearful as I turned in a last resort to see if Stephanie had perhaps gotten up. But I could plainly see her resting form silently rising up and down. A shiver went up and down my spine, and I nearly screamed when I realized that the footsteps had come to a stop outside of my door. Despite all the lights being out, I could clearly see the looming dark shadow of a form through the tiny crack at the foot of my door. I dared not move. Whatever it was, it was just standing there, waiting and then to my horror, my doorknob slowly began to jiggle. Gently at first, but then growing violent at the realization of it being locked. The noise of it eventually woke my roommate. She sat up, blinking in confusion. That instant, the jiggling of the doorknob stopped. So she asked me what the hell was I doing and if I knew what time it was. I told her it wasn't me. I told her that whatever had opened the door to the crawl space the previous day had come back. But she just furrowed her brow at me and said I needed to get more sleep. The next day, I made an appointment with my program's supervisor. I told him that I just needed to go home. 
He tried to tell me that I was just homesick and it would pass, but I insisted. He eventually gave up and let me call my parents. They were confused, but understanding. They were able to change the date of my return flight to the following morning. I really wanted to get out of there that day, but understandably that was the soonest that they could manage. Unfortunately, this meant that I would have to stay one more night in the apartment. When I returned, I tried to tell the others about what had been going on. I knew I was going to be getting out of there and would be out of danger, but I was still immensely worried for their safety. But none of them took me seriously. They looked at me as if I was a mad woman. They didn't say anything, but I was sure they all thought I was going home because of some sort of mental breakdown. At that point, there was nothing I could say that could convince them. So that night, I locked my door and hesitantly went to bed, and right on cue, once again around two o'clock in the morning, I was awoken by the rapid footsteps scampering around the apartment. I could hear the door to the bathroom begin to creak open, followed by the door at the end of the hallway. The footsteps grew louder and faster as they moved through the apartment, and finally once more they came to a pause outside of my door. I could hear breathing this time, slow and heavy. I sat up in a panic, and to my horror, I saw that Stephanie had forgotten to lock the door behind her after getting up to use the restroom. It was right outside my door, and I did not know if I had the time to jump up and try to lock it before the thing realized there was nothing blocking its way. I hesitated a moment too long. And by the time I had sat up straight in my bed, the handle slowly began to turn. I froze in terror as the door cracked open, revealing my tormentor. It stood there, ominously in the doorway, staring me down. Its eyes protruded slightly from its skull and gave off a very faint bluish light. It didn't appear to have a nose, only slits where the nostrils should have been. It had the teeth of a man, but had no lips, giving it the impression of an eternally toothy snarl. Its grayish white skin was waxy and stretched tight over its bony face. The rest of its skeletal form was hard to make out, as it was almost entirely enveloped in shadows. After pausing for a moment in the doorway, it began to head toward me. As it moved, its body let out sickening cracks. I sat there, still petrified by fear, until it had made its way to the foot of my bed. Its heavy breaths were deafeningly loud. I don't know how Stephanie slept through it. The air had begun to smell sour and stagnant. With frightening speed, it jolted to the other end of the bed, mere feet from me. I gagged at the smell of it like sulfur and rotting flesh. Slowly, it unfurled one of its long, gnarly hands and proceeded to reach for me. Not until it was several inches away did I finally find a voice. I screamed as loud as I possibly could, and it halted in its tracks. Stephanie shot up from her bed, visibly frightened. The creature hunched over on all fours, and fled from the room with unsettling movements that recalled those of a spider. A moment later, Stephanie switched the light on and looked at me furiously. She demanded to know what all the fuss was about. I told her exactly what had happened, but she just called me a nutcase. 
The taxi came to pick me up very early the next morning. The sun had not even risen by the time it arrived. None of the girls came to see me off, but I expected this. After loading my luggage into the trunk, I climbed into the back seat of the old cab. It had driven right through the square and was sitting at the base of my apartment. When I leaned out to look out the window, I could see where my room had been. My face contorted into a mixture of panic and concern. There, looking out of my old window, was the creature. Its unblinking eyes bore into me, and its lipless mouth curled into a snarling grin. Before I could say anything, the cab driver had taken off, leaving that hell house far behind. I tried to warn them. I really did. I did everything in my power to try to warn them of the danger they were in, but none of them listened to me. There's no way I could have stopped what happened after I returned home. You see, several weeks after returning to the United States, I received a phone call from the program director. He informed me that a day before the program ended, all three of my past roommates had been reported missing. The authorities had no idea just how long they had actually been gone for, as they were only recently discovered to be missing when the program director went to check on them after none of them made it to the end of the program wrap-up meeting. They assumed it had been at least a week or two since all the food in the apartment was expired. There was no sign of forced entry and no valuables were missing. The only notable detail mentioned in the report was that when they arrived on the scene, there was a strange little door hanging ajar in the bathroom, and when they approached it, they were met with a powerful odor coming from no visible source. The official report has them declared as missing, but I know that they're all dead. I know that I'm incredibly lucky to have made it out with my life. I think the only reason I'm still alive today is because I fled thousands of miles and across an ocean. Despite their unwillingness to listen, I still feel an unimaginable amount of guilt over what happened to those girls. That's why I'm writing this now. I may not be able to go back in time and save them, but maybe I can prevent this from happening to you. Please, please, heed my warning. If you ever get the opportunity to study abroad, keep this in mind. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And whatever you do, don't stay on the third floor of the ancient yellow apartment complex above the Campo di Fiore. There's something there. Something evil. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed The Crawl Space by author Katie H. You know, there's an old saying that when one door closes, another one opens. And when opportunity knocks, you've got to be ready to answer. But based on what we've just heard, we should maybe just leave some doors closed, however. Or just burn down the entire building to be safe. (laughs) Some opportunities, it seems, are too terrible not to pass up. Until next, we've got a terrifying tale about a convenience store employee who finds himself doing duties that go well beyond his job description and getting more than he bargained for when he's tasked with surveying a co-worker. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Coming up on their new menu beginning November 3rd, HelloFresh's classic plan is bringing in a selection of amazing eats to your table. Choose from a variety of options, including their sweet and smoky chicken cutlets, the savory beef taco flatbreads, or the legendary roasted pork tenderloin with lemony potatoes and bell pepper. Jalapeno burgers, meatballs, and crispy parmesan chicken are on the menu too, so you'll never run short of something delicious and new to try. And if you're a vegetarian, HelloFresh has you covered there as well. Try your hand putting together a delicious cauliflower stir-fry bowl, a grilled cheese and veggie jumble, or a chickpea-powered Mediterranean couscous meal. The menu changes every week, so you're guaranteed to experience something unique and appetizing every single month, all in the comfort of your own home. If you're like me, you've got a busy life going on now, between prepping and narrating and all the other things I need to get done for the weekly podcast, and spending a little extra time to make something to eat a bit of a luxury. Well, now, that's one problem I don't have anymore, thanks to the good folks at HelloFresh. Each week, they provide a 20-minute meal on the classic menu plan for when you really don't have any more time than that. There are three types of plans that you can choose from also. So everybody can cover whatever they like. You can either go with the classic, the veggie, or the family plan. Rediscover the excitement of cooking. Enjoy not having to plan dinner, spending money on takeout for an easy night, or worrying about uh, gathering ingredients week after week. Now, for me, the best part was having the ingredients conveniently shipped to my house, all ready to go. I'm a grilled cheese fan, and HelloFresh, they have a a Zatar-crusted grilling cheese meal that it's simply awesome. And again, simple and easy to make with instructions all laid out so that even I can figure it out, and that's something. It makes something that tastes great. HelloFresh believes cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore. Now, believe me, this is so simple. If I can do it, anyone can. The ingredients are high quality, fresh, and just waiting to be put together for your enjoyment and satisfaction. Now, if you want a quality meal, I definitely encourage you to try HelloFresh. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. Uh, You get some picture cards that show you everything you need to do. It's simple. There's just no problem at all. I really, again, encourage you to try HelloFresh. There are many benefits of subscribing also, so you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week. Get out of the recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new delicious recipes in each week's box. 
And here's the best part. HelloFresh is giving my listeners a very special limited-time offer that's like receiving six meals free. Today, for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com slash TOLD60 and enter TOLD60 all in one word. Again, that's HelloFresh slash TOLD, T-O-L-D, 60, and enter TOLD60 again, all as one word, to let them know that Ozjari sent you, and take advantage of this exclusive offer today. Now, without further ado, turn those lights down low and snuggle up. We've got another terrifying tale in store in just a moment. Our second story this evening is entitled The Strangest Security Tape I've Ever Seen by author Phil Zona. I work at a gas station in rural Pennsylvania. It's a boring job, but it's pretty easy and it pays all right. A few weeks ago, this new guy started. Um, I'll call him Jeremy. Jeremy's weird. He's about 25 or 26 and he hardly speaks but he's got the creepiest laugh I've ever heard. My boss and I have both noticed this, but it's never been a problem, so there's not much we can do about it. Customers have never complained about him, and he's always done his job fairly well. Up until a few weeks ago, anyway. That's when things started going missing. Employee theft can be a problem at any business that sells consumer goods, And there's only one person working at a time at this gas station. It's a pretty small place. About two weeks ago, my boss noticed that we were short on motor oil. At first, it was a few containers at a time, then entire shelves and boxes from the back room. Pretty soon, entire shipments would be gone the day after we got them, and it would always be right after Jeremy's shifts. My boss has checked the security camera tapes from every angle every single night he worked. But he could never catch him in the act. Jeremy would lock up at closing, then the motor oil would be gone the next day. My boss usually takes the tapes home with him to try and catch Jerry stealing, but his daughter had a softball game last night, so he asked me to watch the tape for him. He offered to pay me overtime under the table, so obviously I took that offer. There were three cameras, so he gave me three different tapes to check. I figured it would be a long night, but I'm trying to save up for a vacation, so I really needed the money. I took the tapes home, popped them in an old VCR, and sat back. Two days ago, the last time he worked, Jeremy started at 4 p.m. Everything seemed pretty normal at first. He counted up his drawer, switched off with the girl who was working before him, and waited for a customer. The first person who came in was Mrs. Templeton. The timestamp on the video read 403, a regular. She picked up her cigarettes and a newspaper and paid with a 20. Nothing unusual there. The next customer was some local guy named Ron. Drives a motorcycle, usually comes in every few days. He filled up his tank, got a bag of beef jerky and paid with his credit card and then left. Next was some guy with a cowboy hat. I'd never seen him before, but we get plenty of strangers passing through, just like any other gas station. He got $40 worth of diesel fuel, paid with a $100 bill, and went on his way. I sat back and sighed. The only thing more boring than doing this job is watching someone else do it. 
My boss's offer was enough to keep me watching, though, so I left the tape on. Everything seemed pretty normal. I had a feeling that if Jeremy was stealing motor oil, he knew we were suspicious of him by now. I didn't expect him to be dumb enough to let us catch him on camera. Things stayed boring and routine until about 5 o'clock. At 5.03, Mrs. Templeton came back in. She must have forgotten something, but she didn't. She bought that same pack of cigarettes as before in the same newspaper. She paid with another 20. That's odd, I thought, but then again, she's a little absent-minded. I thought Jeremy should have told her she already got her smokes, but it's not against the rules to sell somebody the same thing twice. That's when Ron came back in. He bought another tank of gas for his motorcycle again. I later checked the outdoor camera because I thought maybe we had another car he wanted to fill up and the same pack of beef jerky. He paid again with his credit card. No big deal. I figured this was just a weird coincidence. Mrs. Templeton is forgetful, and Ron probably owns more than one Harley. That's when the guy in the cowboy hat came back in. I felt a chill run down my spine. Don't get diesel. Don't get diesel. I found myself whispering to my empty living room. But he did. He got $40 worth of diesel fuel and paid with another $100 bill. Every move he made was identical to his first visit, right down to the way he scratched his nose before he walked out. Either this guy is rich, owns a lot of trucks, and just moved into town, or something really bizarre was happening. I kept watching. Every customer for the next hour was the same as before. Every single one. I was seriously freaked out, and then at 6.03, Mrs. Templeton walked back in. She bought her cigarettes and newspaper again, and paid with a 20 again. I thought I was going to lose it. I only watched another half hour before I started fast-forwarding through the rest. It was all the same. Every customer would come in at the exact same times, exactly one hour apart. Now I know what you're thinking. That sneaky motherfucker Jeremy had messed with the tapes. He had run a loop of his first hour of business over and over. That wasn't the case. There are windows around the cash register area that the camera covers, and I watched the sunlight fade as time ran on. Jeremy's routine didn't loop over. He swept, mopped, restocked, did all his duties exactly how you would expect, but the same customers kept coming in. I was panicking at this point. Something was seriously wrong with what I was seeing, and I had no explanation for it. I skipped ahead to when he locked up and walked out to his car. He hadn't stolen anything, but I kept watching just to make sure. I fast-forwarded one last time to about midnight. At exactly 12.03, out of nowhere, Jeremy's face pops up on camera. I don't mean he moved his head into view. I mean that one second the store was empty, the next second his face was all I could see. He wasn't looking at the camera, he was looking at me, I was sure of it. I screamed and fumbled for the remote. By the time I grabbed it, he was gone, just as soon as he had left. One frame he was there, the next he wasn't. My hands were shaking like crazy, but I popped in another tape. The other indoor camera shows the back area by the cash register and I'd be able to see how he got up to put his face in the camera like that. I skipped ahead to 12.03, but there was nothing. 
I would have been able to see him standing on a chair or something on his tape, but he wasn't there. I didn't see him enter the store at all after he left. It's like he wasn't really there. He doesn't know the security code, and no alarms were triggered that night after he locked up. What I did see, however, was that at 12.03, the motor oil vanished off the shelf. All of it. Same as Jeremy's face. One second it was there, and the next it wasn't. I turned that tape off and went to bed, but I didn't get a wink of sleep. My body is exhausted right now, but my mind is racing. That tape was undoubtedly the creepiest, most disturbing thing I'd ever seen in my life. I work in a few hours. My boss asked me to bring the tapes back in and let him know what I found. But really, what the hell am I going to say? Jeremy works the night shift tonight, directly after me. And the plan is for my boss to come in just before I leave and confront him with me. As I'm supposed to be the one who caught him stealing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I suppose I'll have to show my boss the tapes, but I don't want to watch them with him. I never want to see something like that again. I can't get the image of Jeremy just smiling directly into the camera out of my mind. It was the creepiest look I've ever seen on another human being's face. Anyway, I'm going to try again to get some last-minute sleep before I have to go in and deal with this. I'll let you guys know what happens. Update, 2.49 p.m. Updating my phone. Apologies in advance for errors. My boss just finished watching the last of the tapes. I told him what to expect, but you really can't prepare someone for something like that. He was scared shitless. I still am, too. And Jerry is due to come in at four. We've got little over an hour to get our shit together, but neither one of us knows what to say to him. Is he just a fucked-up guy who likes to steal motor oil and scare the shit out of people? Or is he something else? I don't know if this guy's crazy, but does anyone think he could have anything to do with what's on the time loop? My boss said he never noticed anything like that in the other tapes, but the way he popped up in this one made me think he knew I would be watching. It's like he wanted me to see what he could do. Like he was showing off or something. The way he smiled into the camera was like a little kid showing you a sandcastle they just built or something. I don't know, I probably sound crazy. I sure feel the part. I'm going to talk to my boss some more. We have to calm ourselves down and figure out how to handle this. I'll update again tonight, but I really have a bad feeling about how this is going to play out. Update, 4.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 5.33. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 6.33. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 7.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 8.33. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 10.58 p.m. Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! I just got home and saw my previous updates. Things make less sense now than ever. Here's what I can tell you. 
I went to work. Jeremy never showed up. My boss and I decided to call the police, as you're well aware. When I picked up the phone to call, though, the sun went out. I shit you not, that's what I thought happened. Apparently, I blacked out for exactly five hours, because when I looked at the clock, it was 9.33. I think I got stuck in Jeremy's time loop. Then I snapped out of it at the exact point I blacked out, if that makes sense. But that's when things got really weird. My boss was right next to me when I blacked out, ready to corroborate my story to the cops. When I came to, the phone was in my hand, but it was dead. Not even a dial tone. My boss was still right there, but he wasn't moving. He was standing up, but frozen. I looked at the clock again, and it wasn't moving. The second hand was stuck on 12. It was 9.33, exactly. The clock on the register, computer screen, wasn't moving either. My phone was frozen. There was even a customer at the register waiting for my boss to get him cigarettes. I'm betting that would have been his fifth pack of the day. I got the fuck out of there. Didn't lock up, didn't turn the lights out, and sorry guys, I didn't grab the security tapes to upload on the internet. Believe me, that was the last thing on my mind. The gas station is on a major highway and cars were parked all along it, except they weren't parked. They were frozen. The people inside were sitting still as waxed statues. I got in my car and prayed that it would start. Thankfully, it did. About halfway home, time started up again. The static from the radio turned into music, like it's supposed to be, and from what I could tell by listening to the host talk in between songs, no one noticed the time freeze, or whatever it was. I was the only one. Well, I'm sure Jeremy noticed as well. I still have no clue where he is or what he's doing. I'm hiding in my room and calling the police again in the morning. I don't know if I ever got through to them before, but if I did, whether they took me seriously. I'm scared for my life at this point. I'll update tomorrow if I can. Final update, 10.33 a.m. I finally fell asleep last night around 4. I have no idea how I did it. I guess exhaustion finally got the best of me. This morning, I woke up to my phone ringing. It was my boss. He'd been calling me since about six. He woke up when time turned back on last night and immediately called the cops. They came by to see what was wrong and he told them everything. The police around here are all small-time guys. They're more concerned with the missing motor oil than anything, but my boss figured he would take it as long as he had their attention they decided to go looking for Jeremy. We kept all our employee applications on file, and since Jeremy just started working here, this was easy to find. They checked the address on it and headed over to his house. You're not going to believe what they found. The address Jeremy listed on his application was an empty lot. Or at least now it is. There used to be a house there, but it burned down in 1993. Being a small town, almost everyone remembers that fire. A family of four used to live there, way back when. Rumor has it they had an estranged son who they never really talked about, but I can't say for sure if that's true. What I can say is true is that after an insurance investigation, the fire was ruled an arson. The entire house was soaked in oil and torched with a Molotov cocktail. The entire family was sleeping when it happened. None of them survived. 
They never caught the guy who did it. Rumor has it, when they tried to contact the estranged son, no one could find him. Anyway, my boss called and told me this, and I freaked out. Then he asked me to come to the gas station. What, are you crazy, I said? But he assured me that the cops were there with him. Then he dropped a bomb. The FBI were also in town, and they were going to talk to me one way or another, so I might as well come in. It was about 7.15, and I wanted to go back to bed, but I figured I wouldn't be able to sleep much more anyway, so I went down. Four men in suits greeted me and told me to have a seat. We went over everything, two or three times, until they got all the details down. I told them about Jeremy, the security tape, last night at work. Everything. Finally, after I finished, one of the agents said, Oh, Christ, we got another one on our hands? Then he made me sign a bunch of papers saying I wouldn't tell anyone about what happened, so I can't say much more. I might be breaking the law just by posting this. So, now I'm home. I'm not sure what to do with myself. That agent's words, when I told him the story, are going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Anyway, I, I've got to go. I have some errands to run today, and then I have to go into work to pick up some tapes. My boss and I think this new guy, Jeremy, he's a complete creep. He's stealing motor oil, and I have to watch the security footage to see if I can catch him doing it. I have better things to do, but my boss is paying me overtime under the table, and I'm trying to save up for a vacation so I could really use the money. It should be pretty simple. The oil always goes missing right after his shifts. I figure I'll just watch the tapes, catch him in the act, and that'll be that. Thanks again to today's sponsor, HelloFresh, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can get $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes by visiting HelloFresh.com slash TOLD60 and entering TOLD60 all in one word to let them know oldest Jerry sent you. There's never been a better time to give HelloFresh a try. So sign up today and see what you've been missing. And while you're cooking up a delicious home-cooked meal, I'll keep on cooking up creepy tales to keep you company on these long, dark winter nights. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases including premium versions of our other shows such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment 
and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.